Um, I, I wanted to start by just saying this, that in 1971, I was flowing with the current. I was just going with the flow. And it wasn't going well for me, but I had a lot of friends going with the flow too. And so I kind of like comforted myself with that thought that, it, that um, uh, you know, at, least I'm, at least I'm not alone. And, and I knew that I needed to get out of that current. I knew I needed to get out of that flow, but the current was strong and I was weak. And I, I couldn't do it. And the night I accepted Christ, the night I actually gave my heart to Christ, my biggest concern was how is my life ever going to change? Because I, I grew up in Sunday school. I knew enough about the Bible to know that the way I was living certainly uh, was not the way to follow Jesus. And I remember as the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and drawing my heart, and, and, and I just, I said, God, I said, how could I ever change? You know all the things I'm doing, and I don't even know any Christians. And the Lord spoke to me and said this. He said, don't worry about the change. I'll take care of the change. You just, you just accept me right now. Receive me right now. And it was as if he was saying, I'll take you just as you are. I think this is really what, I'll take you just as you are, and I'll change you. And so with that word of encouragement from God, I opened my heart to Jesus, and he, and he did, really a step at a time, sometimes good-sized steps, sometimes smaller steps. But my, my biggest concern then was, how do I tell my friends? What do I do? You know, I, they're not going to understand. They're not going to get this. And at the very beginning, uh, there were times I copped out. And, and they would say, hey, come on, we're going to party. And I'd say, oh, I don't party anymore. And they'd say, why not? Oh, it's not good for you. But uh, it, it didn't take me long to, to really begin to say, nah, look, I'm taking a different direction in life. I've accepted Christ into my life, and I'm, I'm going to follow him. And when I got to that point that I'm telling my friends this, uh, for many of them, it was kind of like a shrug of the shoulders. Uh, they didn't like it, but they, they said things like, uh, you've always been extreme, you were extreme this direction, now you're extreme this direction, you'll come back to balance, and you'll come back with us again soon. Stuff like that. But some of them actually understood and, 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 and told me they thought I had made, made a good choice. But a few of them took my decision to follow Christ as like a personal betrayal. And they felt betrayed, and they were angry with me. And like the guy that had been my best friend my first two years of college before I flunked out, which I'd, I was out of college when I actually accepted Christ, I, I, the first time I saw him, I walked up to him and said, hey, how you doing, man? And he just stared past me. It, it, I mean, he and a couple of other guys there, they had already decided that when they saw me, they were going to pretend I didn't exist. And that hurt, but you know what? I had been on the path they were on. I, I ran down that path with them, and it wasn't going anywhere good. And I was convinced I was on the right path now. And, and so it, the hurt that that brought really didn't, didn't have any long-term impact on my heart because, man, I'm with Jesus now. And, and I mean, what do you expect? I, I think the guys that were really angry with me probably understood what had happened better than the other, the other friends of mine. The friends of mine that just thought, okay, well, you'll come back, or the ones you know, that just didn't understand. They understood what had happened. And intuitively, somehow, they understood there are two kingdoms in this world. There's a kingdom of darkness, 
and there's a kingdom of light. I had been part of the team darkness with them, running with them and, and with team darkness. And I quit that team and I joined the king, kingdom of light, the team of light. And they sensed that, they understood it was a deep thing that had happened and it really angered them. But you see, that's how darkness responds to light. Yeah. That's just what happens. And in the, the kingdom of God in this world, there, there's a conflict, there's a war happening. Constantly there is a war happening. The kingdom of light, the kingdom that the Jesus followers, our battle, our weapons are love and freedom and truth and service, serving others. Now, you know what the kingdom of darkness's uh, uh, weapons are? It's shame and intimidation and anger and hatred and pain and rejection and, and outright persecution at times. But anybody that, that comes to Christ and doesn't have some understanding of that, uh, we have to understand that. There are two ways. There are two paths you can follow. And when you turn and you start swimming upstream, you start swimming against the current, those other fish, you're bumping into a lot of them. And they're thinking, what the heck? Not what the heck, but what do you think you're doing? How dare you do this? And so hardship comes. But... This passage that we're going to look at today is, it really introduces the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. And it comes to a point where it's a, it's a passage that draws things to a point of decision for the listeners. And, and I picture it like this, that uh, Jesus has, has come to a point in the message where there's a, a long pause as he's just looking at the crowd. And then, then he says this, stand with me. As, as we read this, just two verses. It's Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says this, he says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate's wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. But the gate is narrow and the way is challenging or hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And so, Father, uh, we ask right now you, that you would teach us. Holy Spirit, make up the gap in our hearts and our understanding between where we are and the truth of this passage. And enable us all to take a step deeper into you with, with deeper understanding of some of the things that have happened in our past and deeper peace with our lives, and greater willingness to, to walk down this path that sometimes can be very hard and challenging. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, please. So in this passage, there are two roads, narrow and the broad. There are two groups, the few and the many. There are two experiences along the road. There is the experience of pain with Jesus, with joy, and for purpose. And there's the experience of just random pain in life with no meaning and, and, and no God with you as, as you go through that pain. And then finally, two destinations, ultimate life with God and ultimate destruction away from God. But as Jesus, as Jesus brings this challenge, their minds couldn't have helped but go back to a challenge that Moses brought to the nation of Israel. And Moses was uh, probably the greatest of the Old Testament prophets and leaders. 
And he was one that God said of him, he said, I'm gonna raise up a prophet like you. And he's gonna complete the task. He was talking about the Messiah. And so Jesus here, like Moses, is bringing a challenge to the people. And here's the challenge Moses brought shortly before he died. He said this, he's in Deuteronomy 30, 19. He said, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And so choose life, and Jesus put it this way, enter through the narrow gate. Uh, you know, I picture a parent or grandparent on their deathbed, and the family's all gathered around them, and, and this, this parent rallies with strength and rises up on one elbow in order to say to his children, or her, her, her children and grandchildren, choose the narrow path. Don't go the easy way. Don't go the way of the world. You know, the Bible says that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. And again, he's called the God of this world. What that means is the God of the wide path. He's the God of the easy way. He's, he's the prince of the power of the easy path. And so Jesus here like, like an impassioned parent pleading with his children, don't go that way. Follow the Lord. Take the, go, through the, go through the narrow gate. Take the hard way, because that's the way to life. You know, it's interesting, though, that the gate is not something that you would find attractive initially. It's small. The other gate's wide. I, I picture it with lights, you know, like, kind of like Las Vegas lights around it, and and, and yet, at the same time, it's so wide, you don't even know you went through it. And the simple truth is, we're all born on that way. We're all born on that path. But as we're going down that path, if we have the insight to see it, there's this other path on the side. It's a smaller path. It's a narrower path. And you can tell just by looking at it, it's going to be harder. Have you ever walked in a park and you're, you're walking down this nice path and then you see another smaller path going off and you can tell right away, oh, that's going to be a hard path. Okay, I, I, I believe that there's something in the human heart that wants to take that path. You know, we all want to be the person that is risky, that takes risks. At least we, we want to think we are. I mean, that's why we like movies where the the villain throws the parachute out of the plane and the hero dives out of the plane and gets the parachute in midair and, and struggles to put it on and pulls the cord and the parachute opens right before they hit the ground. We like that, most of us do anyway, because I want to be that guy, you know? I want to live my life like that. I, wanna, I want the adventure of it. And yet at the same time, it's just so easy to walk right past that spot and not even see it. Not even see that gate. You know, it's small. It's not, it's not attractive. It's not adorned with anything. And it's, that's why there are few that take it, because there's a blinding that happens in the eyes of those who are on the, big, the broad way. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came into the world and he was light, 
And it then says the darkness could not get it. They couldn't comprehend, darkness could not comprehend the light. Later in the same chapter, it says that Jesus came into the world and he is the one who lights every person. And so that's saying that Jesus in the world provides light for people to see if they're willing to see it. And if you ever, you've, you've, you've been wakened up in the middle of the night where your room's dark, but your, your spouse or friend or someone flips the light on. What happens? Do you like that? No, we don't like that, do we? That's uncomfortable. It's painful because I'm so used to the darkness. And Jesus said this about darkness. He said, uh, there was the light that came into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so to come to light, what it takes is humility. I, I have to be willing to have my deeds exposed by the light. And just as much as we love adventure, we also love safety. We, we don't want to be exposed. We, we, love, we love hiding. We, we don't want to have our failures put out there. And so there's this inclination for, for those that are walking down this broad path to not want to, not want to take that, that smaller path because there's this intuitive sense, there's light. If I go over there, my life is gonna be lit up and, and I'm gonna have to shed a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't wanna do that. And so what happens is when a person comes to that point that they see it and they reject it, the Bible says this, it says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they can't see the light that is Jesus Christ. And, and so when we have the opportunity, when we see that gate, man, we better run to it. I don't wanna put it off. I don't wanna say it later. Later, I hope that gate comes up again down the road a few miles, because I'm, you know, I'm involved in something right now with my friends that I don't wanna give up. And, and I'll come back to this gate later. But the simple truth is that every time we say no, our minds are more and more darkened to the ability to even see the truth. And so this whole passage really is about kingdoms in conflict. And it's about what it means to, uh, to, to, to come into the kingdom of light and to begin to walk in that kingdom, in God's kingdom. And the fact that there will be hostility come at us from the kingdom of darkness. That's just the way it is. It will happen. And so we need to understand that and recognize that, uh, that the challenge is something we're all looking for. It's something we're all looking for. It's something we all hunger for. Uh, our, our second son, Brent, was in Iraq for a year, and he sent me an article once and the article was titled, I Miss My Gun. And he said he, he, he identified with that. He understood it because this was written by a, 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 a soldier who had been, spent a year in Iraq, came back, and he's in the business world now. And he's just going nine to five, doing whatever he's supposed to do to earn a paycheck. And, and he, he said, you know, I, I do miss carrying my gun around. I miss that. But what I really miss is the mission. What I really miss is getting up in the morning knowing I have a mission. And at the end of the day, knowing I've fulfilled my mission or I haven't and why not? But the clarity of having mission in life was what this guy really missed. And that, that just speaks to the heart 
of all of our hearts, we need purpose. We need a mission. And so when, when people see that narrow gate and they hear the voice of Jesus say, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to catch people for the kingdom. The heart lights up. And we're intrigued. We say, oh, wow. That is, sounds like the kind of thing my heart has been yearning for. And, and that person goes through that narrow gate and begins to live with purpose, with God's purpose. You see, in the Broadway, which we'll look at here in a moment, that's all about me. That's my purpose. It's, it's all like, uh, you know, I'm free. You know, I'm free. And neither God nor man is going to control me. I'm free. But really, that's the way of death. Because freedom comes through truth. And when you get on the narrow path, you'll recognize that God's my creator. He's the one who designed me. He is the one who sent his son to die for me so I could be forgiven for being on this broad path and all the crazy stuff I've done for stupid reasons. I can be forgiven and I come to know him. He's the one who tells me who I am. He's the one who gives me a purpose in life. I get to join his mission. And then I've got a mission in life. So I'm living with a fulfilled life then. And so th th that's the invitation that Jesus is putting before them here. And, and, and the whole question is, is, will I choose to walk in the kingdom of God? And if I've already received Christ, but I really, I thought that it was just going to be kind of like always fun and just go to church on Sundays and be a good person. I thought that's what it meant. You know, am I willing to say, oh, Jesus, I, I, I see more clearly now what you are calling me to, and I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to say yes to what you're calling me to. I'm, I'm going to make a, a deeper commitment of my heart and my life to you. Last week, uh, Tori Fleckenstein, who's one of our prophetic uh, uh, voices in this church body, he gave a prophetic word at the end of the first service. At the end of worship, he did what Micah did here earlier. And um, he only did it first service. You, many of you were here for that. But I want to bring that back. I want to hear that word again. I want us all to hear it. And I'm going to show it to the second service people too during the message. But um, Denise, can we, can we bring up that uh, video of Tori's prophetic word last week? Um, you know, we always, we always reach out to God for more. We always, you know, we sing about his faithfulness and we'll, we'll never go back. And, and um, God, God's not displeased that we reach to him for more all the time. We, we always need him. We always need more from him. We always want more from him. He's, he's pleased with that. But I, I just really sense on the inside, just really strong that God is asking us for a deeper commitment. Not, not like to renew our commitment, but to take our commitment deeper, to take, to take our love affair with God deeper, to, to, to allow our bond and to be stronger and to allow God to ask more of us without, without us resisting, but without us, with us just caving into his voice. Just, just not resisting him, and 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 here's why. I, just, I mean, I'm I'm telling you prophetically. I sense this 100. percent 
that we don't know what the days ahead hold. And there are things that are taking place in the earth and things that will take place in the earth. And it is a requirement, like God is not asking this of us because he just wants to put some demand on us, but it will be necessary for us to be more deeply connected to him and to have a stronger commitment in the days to come. Powerful. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. The narrow gate. You, we, we know. I know it's going to be hard. Because, not, not because God wants to make it hard on me, but because there's an enemy out there. And, and still, I, there are just the natural things in life. There are sicknesses that come. There are, um, because we're not perfect, I mean, we are on this way, the hard way, but, uh, you know, our bodies haven't yet been redeemed. Our hearts are fully redeemed. You know, my inner person's totally new. I, I'm a new creation. I have a new identity. And, and I'm, I, I can say this, you know, we are no longer sinners by nature. When you enter through the narrow gate, God gives you a new nature. And it's that new nature that longs for God. It's the new nature that gives me the inclination to struggle against sin that before I just accepted well, I did that, yeah, sure. Maybe I should have done that, but no big deal. But now, our, my inner person says, whoa, wait a second. That's, that's not consistent with what this new person that Jesus has made me to be. And so the, the struggle then is, I'm just going to do what Tori did, said. You know, I'm, I'm going to say yes to God. Whatever you're calling me to, the answer is already Yes. Whatever you want to speak to me about in my life or in my heart, whatever area of pride you want to take down, whatever area of un misunderstanding you want to correct, I'm, I'm just ready to say yes to that. And so I'm saying yes right now ahead of time. And I'm not going to be surprised, God, when you speak to me and you say, you know that thing you've been holding close, that you've been holding dear, that you think is so important to you? I, I just let go of that. It's holding you up. You can't carry that and make it on this trail easily. And so the, the, the whole thing, enter through the narrow gate. And, and Jesus goes on to tell us, you know, really why. He says, for, verse, uh, 20, verse 13, for, the last half of it, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter it. So this gate is easy to see. And there's a lot of false comfort that comes with that because there's so many other people on that path. It's very easy to think, well, it can't be that bad. Look at all the other people here. But when you recognize, no, Jesus knew. He knew I was going to think that. And so he's telling me right here, don't, don't fall into that false thinking that just because there are a whole bunch of other people on the path with you that it's okay. It's not okay. It's the narrow path that you need to take. And, and so... It's the narrow path that fulfills that desire to have meaning in life, to, to, to make wise choices in life. How many of you have heard of the poem, uh, most of us call it The Road Less Traveled, but really the name of the poem is The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. You know, you see, we see posters made about that all the time as if this guy was this brave, courageous man who took the road less traveled and you know, blah, blah, blah. Actually, if you read the poem, well, that's not the way it goes. This is a guy looking back on his life trying to justify his decisions. 
and trying to, and so he said, yeah, I came to these two paths and one looked like it was well-worn, the other one had leaves on it and, and then he said, but then when I looked again, they both looked pretty equal. And so you know, what he's, you know what he's doing? He's trying to present himself as this adventurer, this brave guy, because that's what we all wanna be deep in our hearts. This brave guy who was willing to take the, the hard path and, and to justify the direction of his life based on that. And that's just part of who we are. And it's only gonna be satisfied in Jesus because if we don't come to Jesus, then it's distorted. And the desire to have purpose and meaning and adventure in life is distorted into a caricature of freedom. And, and then freedom is don't control me. Nobody's gonna control me. If there is a God, I get to decide who he is. I'm gonna decide what's important in my life. I'm gonna decide who I am. I'm gonna pick my, you know, my own path. I'm gonna choose it. And that's a caricature of freedom. It's, it's a distortion of freedom because we're all born with distorted hearts. We are born with a twist inside that's not right, fallen into a fallen race and we are fallen people. And so uh, apart from seeing the narrow gate, apart from my heart being stirred by that and seeing Jesus there saying, come on, come this way, this is the way to go. Apart from me being willing to say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swim against the stream here. I'm gonna go through that gate. Apart from that, I am left with my distorted, twisted, broken heart doing the best I can to find meaning in life in a broken world on a path that is controlled by the God of this world, Satan. And so it's obvious, well, of course, I wanna take the narrow path. It would seem obvious, it would seem obvious, but it, it, it's, not, it's not as obvious as we would think. But there are those who embrace the light, there are. There are those who see the light and they, their, their hearts are, are turned on by the invitation and by the adventure of it all and by the life that Jesus offers because he said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He also said the thief comes. He's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why his kingdom is vicious. And that's why we as the, the people of God, our weapons are love. Our weapons are humility and serving others. Our weapons are being kind-hearted and broken-hearted for the pain of others. And the kingdom of darkness at its worst is, is something horrific and it's something that comes against the kingdom of light. So when we come to Jesus, and in John 10, Jesus said, I am the gate to the sheepfold. Now the Greek words are different, in case you know Greek. It's not the same word as he uses in Matthew, but it's the same concept. You know, I'm, I'm the entry point, I am. So I am the narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow gate. And so when, he, when we come to him, we are coming through the narrow gate and we do get purpose in life and we get hope and confidence for the future. We get joy in the Holy Spirit. And by following the way of Jesus, we avoid so many pitfalls in life and so many pains in life that if we had just walked on that broad way, 
uh, we would have brought on ourselves by the, the way we lived and the way we conducted ourselves and the values that we held. And so we get life and we, 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 we get all these incredible things, but also with it, there is pain and there's grief, just the natural grief of the world, as I said a moment ago. We, we, still, experience, we still experience pain. We have friends that get sick and die. We, have, we lose jobs. We, we uh, you know, have financial difficulties or, or whatever. We experience pain in the world just like everybody else, but I have Jesus with me. I have Jesus with me. And some of that pain, maybe even much of it, comes from the kingdom of darkness in the form of spiritual attack and, and coming against us because we're on the path. We, we just became enemies of the kingdom of darkness. We betrayed the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness reacts to that with hatred and vitriol. And so we swim against the current. We experience sometimes just actual persecution. And like what I experienced with my friends being upset with me, that was, that was, that was like nothing. I mean, where Josh and Cassidy are going, they're Christians to actually experience physical persecution where they lose their jobs and their places around the world today. They're, they're, I think of, I've heard there are more martyrs now than at any point in history in the world. More martyrs today than, and so there are people out there giving their lives for Jesus. That when it comes down to it and they come into the village with guns and they say, do you say the name of Jesus? We're gonna, we're gonna shoot you. We're gonna kill you. And, and people are willing to say Jesus and die. And so persecution does come. And oftentimes for us, it might come in the form of emotional attack, spiritual attack emotionally. Kind of like, well, you witnessed to that person and they made fun of you. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? You're a fool. You shouldn't have said anything. It would have been better if you hadn't said anything than what you said. And look at the reaction they gave to you. That's persecution from the enemy. It is. And to recognize that that there is some level of persecution that comes. In Mark 10, 29 to 30, Jesus is asked by uh, Peter, he says, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, well, he says, you know what? There's no one who has left father and son, mother, uh, siblings, farms, etc., in this world that shall not have a hundredfold in this lifetime and with it persecutions. And so, you know, really, if you study persecution in the New Testament, suffering, it's always associated with hope. It's never kind of like, just get ready, you're going to suffer. And if you can't live with that, just get out. It's never that. It's always blessings, but with suffering. Because the blessings come from the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of light's at warfare with the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness doesn't play fair. Kingdom of darkness is hostile, and ultimately to the point even of killing the kingdom of light or trying to extinguish it by killing people from the kingdom of light. Matthew 5, at the beginning of this whole sermon, Jesus said, you're blessed when you're persecuted. You're blessed when men reject you. You're blessed. It's a ble- it's, it, we're, we're blessed because they persecuted Jesus. And I'm a follower of Jesus. And so if my life 
is shining like Jesus' life, there's gonna be reaction to that for the kingdom of darkness. And wow, I guess the kingdom of darkness noticed me. And I'm facing hardship right now, but that's because I'm following Jesus, just like he faced hardship. And there's a blessing in knowing that I'm following him. There's a blessing that comes with that. You know, Romans 8.37, which is another passage that talks about persecution, it says, uh, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So how can, how can they rejoice? Like rejoice when you're persecuted? Well, we can rejoice because ultimately we know we're conquering. And the important things, we're conquering. And what that means is this persecution is not gonna, it's not gonna knock me off. It's, it's not gonna keep me from following Jesus. It's not gonna keep me from opening my heart up more and more to him and giving more of my life to him. And through that, I conquer. I conquer the intent of the kingdom of darkness, which is to put down the kingdom of light. And anybody that shines like Jesus' light, it is to extinguish that flame. And, and no, I'm not gonna give in to that. My flame's gonna get brighter, in fact. And through that, we conquer. Jesus, uh, in Hebrews 13, five, it says, he will never forsake us, never. So no matter what I'm facing, he's with me. I can have joy with him with me. And you know, in, in the book of uh, Psalms, Psalm 27, the psalmist says, I would have despaired. He was going through some hard stuff, except for the fact that I was convinced I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so with suffering comes this incredible promise of blessings from God in the land of the living. You know, the goodness of God in the land of the living. And Acts 5.41 says that the apostles, they were, they were out and they'd been ordered not to preach in the name of Jesus. And I think they were beaten at this point and then sent back. And you know what? They came back. They didn't come back saying, oh man, don't go out there. They will beat you if you go out there. Everybody hide. No, they came back excited. They came back rejoicing because it says they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And, I, you know, thinking about that, what does that mean, counted worthy? Like, well, you're good enough to suffer for them. I think what it means is that thing, our lives apparently were shining enough of Jesus that it brought this reaction from the kingdom of darkness, and we think that's pretty cool. We think that's pretty cool because we recognize this is a war. I signed up. I didn't know I was signing up for an army. I thought I was signing up for a party. And it is a party. We had a party this morning during worship, didn't we? It is that. But it's also an army. And armies are engaged in battle. And, and battle's hard. I've never experienced it, but I, I, we know battle is hard. And so Jesus gives us this invitation. He just says, look, the narrow gate, the narrow gate, that's the way to go. And that's the way you're going to experience joy in life. That's the way you're going to experience purpose and meaning. You're going to have a mission you're gonna be able to tie into God's mission. That's gonna give you something that you'll never have any other way. And so that's the call. That is the call today, is for any, anyone who realizes as they're hearing all of this, you know, I'm still swimming with the current. I'm still with that whole group of fish going the wrong direction. I'm gonna turn around. I need to turn around. I, need to, I'm, I see the narrow gate right now, and I'm gonna to run to it, and I'm gonna go through it. And I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to say yes to whatever comes because I said yes 
to Jesus because I know along with it's going to come joy and peace and happiness and meaning. And so if there's anybody here that hasn't ever opened their heart to Jesus, that's, that's the invitation to you today. And for those of us who have, and I'm, and I'm on that path, but you know, maybe I sat down. Maybe I just got to a point where I thought, oh man, that next segment of the path looks hard. I'm just going to chill. I, I, just, I need to rest for a while. But maybe you said that five years ago. <laughs> and you've rested. Okay, it's time to get up and keep moving. It's time to say, God, whatever it, whatever it is, I give it to you right now. Whatever, however you want to touch my heart, whatever you want to speak to me and ask of me, it is yours. Would you stand with me, please? And prayer teams, would you make your way down?